Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we come to the time in every sermon series you all look forward to, the conclusion. Uh, We're concluding this series that we've been calling Pillars. Uh, Pillars are so important, but they're important because they support and they hold up something that's most important. Talk about houses or a pier or a bridge. So when we talk about mission pillars, what are those things that will support and hold up, the things that God has given us to support our mission of connecting people to Jesus? We talk about that as the church mission statement for Desert Foothills, connecting people to Jesus. That's our individual mission statement too. The most important responsibility God has given you is to help the people in your life grow closer and closer to Jesus, whether that is a spouse or a sibling or a child or a neighbor or a co-worker. That's the most important thing we can do with our time, is to help people grow closer to Jesus. So what are those things that God's given us to support that mission? We talked about worship right off the bat, because it is this mighty pillar. And worship isn't just about us praising God and sending Him thanks. Worship is for our benefit. God calls us to worship, to remember the Sabbath day every week and keep it holy so that we receive His blessings of forgiveness. It's what strengthens our faith through the means of grace, the Holy Spirit at work, We talked about the pillar of growing, growing in faith toward God, growing in love towards one another. We talked about now this pillar of sharing. Last week, uh, Pastor Jeremy talked about sharing our faith, and we had internet difficulties on the campus, so if you did not get to see that, especially if you're in our online community, go back and check that out. It's a fantastic sermon. Uh, please, please, please uh, go back and watch that, or maybe watch it again. But today we're talking about sharing God's love. Think about the mercy of God. We talk about mercy ministries. And before we jump into what those are, I think it's really important to understand what motivates us to share God's love with other people. Why would we take some of our time, very precious commodity time, and spend that on other people? Why would we take some of our money, also a limited commodity, and give that away to help our neighbors? Well, when I turned 16 years old, my parents gave me a 1988 Chevy Cheyenne pickup truck that looked just like this. Just like this. (laughs) All right. I love this truck. This truck was amazing. Now, it was it was used, it was a five-speed, it was just a, one, a single cab. I don't even know if they make trucks without a back seat anymore, but 
I love this. I would sit, you know, at night, I would peek through the blinds just to admire it sitting in the driveway. I love this truck so much. Well, I was 16 years old, and this is what it looked like when my parents gave it to me, and this is what it looked like when I gave it back to my parents. Yeah. Well, rather, this is what it looked like when the insurance company bought it back, right? Yeah, I was uh, driving home, it was rush hour, afternoon rush hour, and come over the top of a hill, and uh, unexpectedly, I'm familiar with the road, but very unexpectedly that day, uh, the traffic was backed up for over half a mile to that next red light. It's never backed up. Maybe there's a wreck up there. I don't know. But unfortunately, I was only halfway paying attention. Uh, maybe my radio needed to be tuned. I don't know. But by the time I looked up and slammed on my brakes, it was, you know, the time slows down, and you start to analyze things, and you're like, yeah, this is not going to end good. And, well, you can see what, what happened. But can you hear it? Have you ever heard the loud bang of two cars colliding together? A metal, crushing metal. It was my first time experiencing that, and I was pretty scared. And even after kind of everything came to rest and my airbag kind of deflated, I was terrified that maybe I had really seriously injured somebody. At that point, your mind is racing. I don't know. I could have possibly killed somebody. I was horrified. Even after I learned that there were no major injuries, my gratitude for uh, the, you know, no serious injuries was more than tempered when I suddenly realized I would now have to face my father. I was sure that he was going to kill me. (laughs) But I knew that that's what I deserved. I knew that I had a fault in this. The world calls it fault. In the church, we call it sin. My sin, my own grievous sin had caused damage and harm to people and property. I, I mean, shaking legs, fear overcoming my body, walking across those two lanes of now closed traffic to meet my father who had come to the scene. And again, I knew I was finished. And I knew that's what I deserved. As far as I was concerned, the, the, my just desserts, you know, my freedom was, was over. My driving privileges revoked. And for all practical purposes, my teenage life was over. Now I share this story, and this is 30 years ago. And just telling you, I still can feel that same pit in my stomach walking across the street to face my father with this wreck behind me. And I share this story because when we, when we read in the Old Testament lesson today about Isaiah encountering 
his holy God. And I, and I share the story not so that you will better understand how Isaiah felt. I share this story so that you can imagine what it will be like when you meet your maker. Like Isaiah did. It was sudden. And the holy God appeared before him, and the seraphim, and the angels, and the glory, and the smoke, and the fire enveloped everything he could see and experience. And in the presence of the holy God, Isaiah knew that he was toast. That's what he said. The curse is on me. Listen, my fate is destruction for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and now here I am my eyes have seen the king the lord of armies it is a terrifying experience for a sinful a mere mortal a simple man to come into the presence of the holy God, the King, the Lord of armies, the creator of the universe. Now, I know I've got way more than unclean lips. I've had unclean hands, unclean eyes, unclean ears, and on and on. And the thought of me someday meeting my maker in that condition well, no thanks. That's terrifying. Now, when I finally made it across the street, I got to my father's presence within arm's reach. He did not strangle me. He did not beat me. He actually gave me a hug. His, he was angry, <laughs> but his wrath passed over me, and he showed me his mercy. And I don't think my dad, and I don't think a lot of dads, get enough credit for being such good fathers. Because when I was 16, he had no idea that I would ever become the Pastor Mark. And yet he let me live <laughs> to see this day. Well, Isaiah sees the same thing. In the presence of the holy God, he realizes that he is a dead man walking. But then a winged one came to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar, from the fire spoon. And after touching my mouth with it, he said, your lips have been touched with this, and your evil is taken away, and you are made clean from sin. God wants to be with us forever in a, in a loving, intimate relationship. And yes, it is our sin that separates us, that makes it impossible for us to exist in His presence, the Holy God, but he is not looking for ways to keep us away from him. 
He's not looking for ways to keep people out of heaven. His desire is for all to come to the knowledge of the salvation and, and the gift of forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And right here, Isaiah receives that instantly, in that moment of terror, that wonderful grace. Now, Martin Luther said about this very verse here in Isaiah, he said very bluntly, here now a resurrection from the dead takes place. Because Isaiah got a new lease on life. Isaiah knew, fully expected for him to just disintegrate right there. For his unclean lips to just melt away. For God to kill him. But he receives this wonderful forgiveness. Because that's who God is. Not because Isaiah deserved it. Because that's who God is. His loving and gracious gift of forgiveness. And when you understand this new lease on life, it's easy to understand why Isaiah responded so boldly to God's next question. The voice of the Lord came to my ears saying, Whom am I to send? And who will go for us? And I, Isaiah, Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. We have that same new lease on life. We are as good as dead, dead men walking, dead in our trespasses, enemies of Almighty God, terror-stricken to be brought into His holy, mighty, omnipotent presence. And God forgives us. So with our new lease on life, we would say, wow, I hope I can say the same thing. Here am I, send me. But how do I know? How do I know God's going to treat me the same way he treated Isaiah? Well, God has given you signs and promises and miracles. I'm really excited because in a few minutes you're going to get to experience that miracle of bread and wine becoming body and blood of Jesus Christ. And when you come into the presence of the Almighty God and stand before His altar with all of your unclean lips and eyes and ears, when you receive the body and the blood of Christ, when it touches your lips, you receive the sign and the promise and the miracle of a resurrected life. The old man drowns in the waters of baptism. The new man rises as a man of Christ, a woman of Christ, a Christian. And so we say with Isaiah, who will go for me? Who will I send? Here am I. Send me. And you notice that God asked that question to Isaiah, who will go for us? And Jesus kind of asks, he kind of tells the same command to us. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, teaching them. Who will go for us? And then in Hebrews, in our epistle reading today, God sums it up pretty simply for us. His, his charge, his marching orders to those resurrected Christians. 
Do not forget to do good. And we all know we're Lutheran Christians. We don't do good, so we earn our salvation, right? We're dead in our sins. Dead men can't do good. They can't do anything. They're dead. But God's Spirit raises us up to new life. And then how do we respond? To do good. If anything, uh, the Lutheran church has uh, overlooked, and it's because we emphasize grace so much, is that we forget to do good. Don't forget to do good. No, it's not for our salvation. But it's in response. Don't forget to do good. To share with others. Why would we share our valuable time to help other people? Like building habitat houses. Why would we share our financial resources to help other people, to spread the gospel? What's well, good? It's to do good. It's to share with others. For with such sacrifices... God is pleased. Sacrifices. Sacrifices. When you think about what God sacrificed upon His altar, that's why every church has an altar. That's a, remember, it's a symbol of the great sacrifice, the Lamb once slain for all, once and for all. The Lamb slain for the sins of the world. What is the only reasonable response for us who are resurrected people? Well, it's to go out and share the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God with those who are still dead men walking. There is new life in Jesus Christ. And one of the most powerful ways that we can show God's love and share His mercy. It's for caring for the needs of other people. Martin Luther said, I serve my neighbor because he's my neighbor. Do you get that? There's no ulterior motive. He said, I'm going to serve my neighbor so he'll start going to my church. I'm going to serve my neighbor so he'll, I don't know, make a donation to what? No. That's what we're called to do. We're called to sacrifice, to do good, to share, and to sacrifice. Now, these are all of the ministry partners that I could fit onto one slide. There are more. If your favorite's on, not there, I, I apologize. But just over the last year, you, you have given time, talent, and treasure to bless every single one of these ministries and the lives that each of them touch. Well, and Gracie's. Gracie's on her way. She's, she's training. Isn't that a cute picture, Gracie? Somebody say amen. Yeah, that's a sweet. She's going to be such a blessing to, uh, to bring peace into people, uh, troubled hearts. So many ways that we can uh, share. So in our uh, ministry campaign, Growing legacy for the gospel. These three pillars are key. And just as you uh, made a commitment to God and you made a commitment to the church when you were confirmed, whether you were in eighth grade or you're an adult, you stood right here in front of God's altar. And the pastor asked you a series of questions about 
your faith? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? He's the Son of God. He's your Savior. And he says, do you intend to worship regularly, to grow in your faith, to share God's faith and love with other people? And so, one month from today, March the 6th, Commitment Sunday, on our commitment cards, we're going to recommit ourselves and remind ourselves of those promises that we made years or decades ago. Will you make a commitment to worship weekly? That's a lot. Really? Well, remember the, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I think that's the third suggestion, isn't it? Oh, it's a commandment, third commandment. That's right. Will I commit to either devotions, uh, being in a, a Bible study, a life group, men's group, women's group, all kinds of uh, building community, growing in faith and growing in love uh, monthly? Will I commit to serve right, within the walls and beyond the walls of our congregation? It's God gives you the ability. It's God gives you the interests. There's so many different ways that we can share the love of God. Find one and do good. Share those resources you have of time, talent, and treasure, and, and sacrifice. It's the only reasonable response. So in this growing legacy for the gospel, obviously this is all about sharing God's faith, God's love for our own people and for our community, right, for generations and generations to come. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.